I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Batter is officially October. It is October 1st. Welcome back to A Pod of Their Own. This is episode 27. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Surovich. Hi, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Allison. Um, So this is like, even though I guess the regular season is officially over, this is kind of our final regular season pod so to speak um where we kind of do our official post-mortem on the Mets uh and we talk about the playoffs a little bit and then we go into our baseball segment for the week um the main takeaway I think from 2019 we've talked a lot about this on previous pods so we won't rehash all of it but I think obviously what hadn't happened yet the last time we recorded was the final game of the season which I think was, you know, kind of emblematic of the whole 2019 Mets in a lot of ways. Like, they were out of it, and they won in the most improbable fashion, and they clawed back and won that game anyway. And even though it was just a meaningless baseball game, it felt, it was really, it was really fun. And it felt really, really, like, a perfect way to end the season. Like, when Rajay Davis was up with, I think, for some first and third and one out, I was nervous. I'm like, why am I so nervous? This game means nothing. Like, why do I care? But you can't help but care. You care about the guys. And, no, I, I mean, to me, that was the best part of of the season, but also of 
the game was just everybody having so much fun yeah. and really being like in it for each other and and it was just it was great to see it it reminded me of everything that that this season has been and just it's that's what you I think that's what we'll all leave the season remembering is just this group of players it was really special you know I um I cried on the way home from the game <laughs> um, in part because just like I don't know I haven't I haven't really loved a group of players like this in a while like I really loved 2015 that was amazing but even even then and this may be recency bias but just it's hard to top this collection we have here there's just so many menches all in one place yeah like I totally like this was probably one of my favorite non-playoff teams and we were even talking on slack how we kind of even like this team more than 2016 like 2016 Jake was hurt at the end of the year um you know we didn't really have the same group of guys like Reyes was still there um like James Loney was starting a wild card like it wasn't the same vibe that you got like because a lot of these guys are young they're homegrown they're they're showing you the future they're having fun and so I think it just makes them that much more likable knowing that you had now have a solid core instead of a bunch of aging guys who probably shouldn't have been playing baseball anymore and who were lucky that they even made the wild card um but it was just I'm just so happy that it ended on a positive note instead of, you know, maybe lamenting that they did miss the playoffs. And because the team did does have the talent, then they could, I mean, they would probably be doing better than what the Nationals are doing now. Jake would never. Jake would never. Would never. Not, hashtag not my Cy Young Award winner. No. Um, you those... hate to see it. You hate to see it. Hate to but see also, it. Like the Jake Scherzer matchup would have been what baseball deserved, like on opening day. And it's sad that, like, just baseball as a whole isn't getting that. For those of you who aren't paying attention to the the NL wild card game, and I can understand that uh, if you aren't, because there aren't too many teams to be invested in that are currently in the playoffs, and we'll get back to that in a minute. But um, the uh, Brewers are up on the Nats three nothing in the bottom of the second inning. Uh, Max Scherzer already gave up a home run to Yasmani Grandal. Um, so yeah, not my Cy Young Award winner. And Marcus Thames too. Yes, that as well. Um, and so uh, what I was going to say uh, about um, the 2016 team versus this one, um, and this is kind of what I said in Slack, is that, and again, like Maggie said, this may be recency bias on my part, yeah. but talking about 2016, um, obviously, like, the the thing about that September and that stretch run that comes to the forefront of my mind is obviously the Isdrubal Cabrera bat flip game against the Phillies, which was, like, really epic and really awesome. And it was that a great That was a moment. game that I will forever remember having been at. Um, and the, the Amazing Avenue editor, Chris McShane, was my ride home that day. And he was giving me a <laughs> hard time about leaving, even though I was like two months pregnant and exhausted all the time. And I could have left, but I didn't. And I'm oh, so, nice. so glad I didn't because it was amazing. And I will definitely like, that is, I totally agree. It's like the emblematic moment of that season. 
Right. <laughs> and But like I think about that game and how great it was. And I think about the fact that the 2019 Mets had like six games like that. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Like, yeah, that's the, very the, true. It, they just kept coming. Like the fun just, you know, it would lull for a while and it would just come roaring back. It was it was so great to watch. And yeah. also, I think you saw it on the like you saw it when the the players themselves said it. They like every single one said they loved playing for that team. They loved playing for each other. Like they just seemed like just a great bunch of guys who just wanted to play baseball and have fun. And I think a lot of that stems from Pete and his enthusiasm and just, it was infectious and it it definitely showed. Yeah. The final week of the season obviously also saw Pete Alonso break Mm -hmm. the rookie home run record. Um, And it was amazing. And he, and you know, it's rare that you see kind of before your eyes during a season a franchise player be born the way that we have watched Pete Alonzo like emerge like it's you know when you watch it like that this is a franchise player you know it instantly he's Um, so he's so mature beyond his years too I mean it's really he's is he 25 yet? I mean, he's Mm-mm. like certainly not older than 25. He is, I believe, 24. I think mm-hmm. he's, um, he's this this baby bro. And he <laughs> just, it's just like he knew all of the steps coming in. And I don't know if it's from having watched David Wright. He may have come to the organization at a time when David Wright just was not able to be present for the team. Um, I don't know if he just is born with that shit. Cause he was certainly born with the dingers that you can't, you can't learn how to hit home runs like that. But, um, he, it, that was what really blew my mind was just how I don't even, it's, I can't even identify the moment this season when he became the team leader. It just sort of just was all of a sudden the state of affairs. Like it just poof, there he is leader. Yeah. And it just seemed natural too. Like it's not weird that, this rookie is the team leader. Like it's just, I don't know. It's just how he is. I guess he just exudes that, you know, it factor that, you know, that we all know David Wright had too. And, you know, it, it is hard to define, but, um, but whatever it is, Pete's it. He's the complete package, the maturity, the love of the game, the excitement, love of new york being proud to be a met um you know it's we're so used to being second fiddle to the yankees all the time to hear somebody say i'm a met and i'm proud of it and i want to play for the mets fans like it's just it's so endearing and from him it wasn't you know just trying to play to the fans like from him it was sincere and he seemed so sincere every time he spoke in his uh in his um post-game interviews so he just, I mean, how, I mean, we always say we're a cursed franchise, but how lucky are we to go from David Wright to Pete? Like, we had not only one cornerstone, but we had two in, like, back-to-back decades. Yeah. It's yeah, it's pretty, pretty special. Pretty awesome. And, like, even today, um, 
I think one of the defining moments of him being like, you know, becoming a clubhouse leader was the 9-11 cleats, which we've discussed before. And the the fact that he did that gesture for the team and he even went on to donate them to the 9-11 museum. And he was there, I think, today or yesterday. I don't remember. Today. Which day. It was today. Yeah. And he said, like, I just want to be remembered as a good person. Like I'm a baseball player, but I want people to think of me as just a good person. And I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) You know, something that I, and I, I tweeted about this earlier, but something that comes up in a lot of conversations about toxic masculinity is the idea of like, okay, well, if this vision of masculinity is toxic, what, what's the alternative? Like what is a non-toxic masculinity and it's this right here it's pete alonzo being like this big tough strong dude and being entirely focused outside himself and on making things better for the people around him and on having fun and just you know being a good friend and teammate like that's that's what it means to be non-toxically masculine like that's there it is. It's not some mythical idea. It can be done. Pete Alonso is doing it right now. And he's 24, so what excuse does everyone else have? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I could not have said that better. Like, I know. And, and people criticizing him. Yankees fans, let's be real, not people. It's the Yankees, Yankees fans. Yeah. Yep. Criticizing him for having an emotional reaction to breaking that record. This is exactly like the, the toxic masculinity we're talking about. The fact yep. that you would shame a player for showing emotion and for showing his personality and for showing how much passion he has for the game is toxic. It's gross. Stop doing it. Like you should, I, I love Aaron judge and I will say that unabashedly he's a, he's a good player and he's a really cool player to have under baseball team. I sure as heck wish he was on my baseball team and we can, and he's a stand up guy, right? We can love both of them and not criticize the way Pete shows emotion on the field as, you know, not manly or not, you know, not what a baseball player does or whatever the fuck your toxic notions are of that. Let's not. And, like, wasn't the whole theme of this year, like, let the kids play? Like, who exuded, who, like, captured that thing more than Pete? Like, he was just having fun, and he realized a dream, a lifelong dream. Like, God forbid you chase your dreams. Like, oh, like, I can't even imagine what that feels like to work so hard. You're supposed to chase your dreams, but you're not supposed to like it. Yeah. Yeah, right? Stomp around and talk about how it was better 10 years ago that's that's what you do (laughs) and you do it with class with uh by shaving your mustache (laughs) yeah Um, (laughs) okay but really though i'm so glad he shaved the mustache because like let's be clear we love pete this podcast stands pete alonzo like crazy but that mustache was pretty bad yeah, pretty, 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 pretty bad. And what kills me is it was the like when he was talking about the 9-11 cleats and he had the horrible mustache. Uh, this is serious and you're so distracting. So <laughs> it's going to be in the pictures forever. Yes. Damn it. <laughs> this Speaking... is right up there with like a purple prom tuxedo. Actually, well, no, that's, like, oh, that Mike... sounds boss. Never mind. Well, Mike Piazza had just dyed his hair before 9-11. So he has all the blonde and all. <laughs> so it's like, ugh. yeah, we'll always be the like choices. early thousands frosted tips. Mike yeah. Oh Forever. god, fashion choices. 
<laughs> um, but speaking of letting the kids play, quick shout out to Major League Baseball because even though we have to drag them for when they do things wrong, and we will do that in this very episode, we should in turn, though, praise them when they do things right. That playoff ad that they have running right now is so good. So I have good. not seen it. I have not seen it either. <laughs> oh, you guys have to watch the video. Oh my goodness. It's like it's it's you know, it's a ad campaign for the playoffs and it's basically a like let the kids play but I think the tag is we play loud. I think is the tag. Oh, I saw some of the um I saw some of the print pieces from that run. Yeah. I like the look of it. I will we'll look it up. It's so good. It's basically like old so it's like old timey baseball scenes except they've like photoshopped in the current players and it's kind of like this homage to like oh back in my day baseball used to be better but it's like putting the new players in being like actually it's better now and it's (laughs) oh it's so good because it's like all the crowd scenes from like like black and white crowd scenes of crowds cheering except it's Aaron Judge hitting the home run or whatever oh it's really cool it's a really good ad you guys should watch it. It's really good. Um, Can you imagine if people nowadays would like run onto the field and tear it to pieces after <laughs> right? their teams won? Like Jesus. that's you talk about like the things in the olden days. And I realized that some of our listeners just got super mad at me for saying olden days. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> like the things that kind of don't register when I think back, like you just run onto the field yeah, and like tear wild. it up. That's terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, but like okay, olden like people, the, whatever floats your boat. The scenes from like the '69 World Series and like Seavers like dodging fans, like, <laughs> like that just doesn't compute. Yeah, it's wild to me. Yo, to Mets Twitter that. would really mess that stuff up. That yeah. would that would be an a bad scene. Yeah, yes, City Field would need to be completely overhauled. <laughs> so. I guess the other, so the only um, bit of Mets news that we kind of need to discuss besides, you know, the 2019 Mets were fun, this was a fun season, um, is the fact that Mickey Calloway's job currently hangs in the balance, like literally. Um, The Mets are kind of trying to decide whether to bring him back or not, and they still have not decided that. And Don't bring him back. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't let the record fool you. Yeah, Don't right. Do Don't let that second half trick you. Um, already a record number of teams are looking for new managers. At, a bunch of teams have already fired their managers or parted ways with their managers mutually, as the case may be. Um, and I feel like the, the only two teams left that I think that might fire their managers that haven't are the Mets and the Phillies, basically. Um, yeah. And so do you guys, I know that we are, we don't have to rehash the whole like reasons why we think Mickey should be fired because I think friends of the pod know that we Didn't all we have an entire episode, like basically <laughs> entirely focused on us being angry at Mickey Calloway? Yes, we, I think we, we did. Really did. Yes, we did. That's yeah, yes. this is on brand. Yes. Um, so we won't rehash all of that, but what I will ask you both is, A, do you think the Mets will fire Mickey Calloway, which is a different question of whether they should, um, and B, if they do, who do you think that they should replace him with? Um, this is hard. Because... I feel like it's a 50-50. Yeah, because I don't see them paying to managers. <laughs> But they have paid two managers before, and he also 
made them look bad at times, which yeah. I think, um, amazingly, despite the fact that the Mets look bad almost all of the time, that does seem to be something that ostensibly upsets them. And that will some, that seems to me like it would be the thing that would get movement in that area. The only thing I, I don't think they'll hire Madden because I think he'll be out of their price range, which fine. I don't want anything to do with Madden. I don't want him anywhere near this organization. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let the angels or the Padres, let them, let them deal with that. Cause Not I want particularly to interested in the Addison Russell apologist being my manager. So no, no, no. Well, no. I hate to break it to you, but probably every other managerial candidate on the planet. That's that's something I've been thinking about too. It's just that I like, I really hate how he handled that, but I also have to admit that like I think probably twenty seven out of thirty major league managers would do it that way. Yeah, so, you're probably I don't know. right. I'm mm-hmm. just. But I also, I'm not crazy about Madden anyway. Like, I think, I don't know. He seems to not get, I mean, I don't know. I'm saying this about a guy who brought a team to the World Series, but he doesn't seem to always get the best out of his players. And but also, he, he had the talent. Like, this is always the argument. Like, was is Alex Cora any good? Or was that team just so talented it didn't matter? Right. So I wouldn't mind um, speaking of, I mean, good teams, but um, the only like big name that I've been sort of like, huh, I could see that um, is Girardi. I've always yeah. really liked and respected him as a baseball guy. Um, I think he, you know, this is you hear often they talk about like players who know how to win in New York. And I think it's mostly bullshit. But I do think there is something to be said for knowing how to handle um, the media in New York. Especially after Callaway handled it poorly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, manhandled it. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> but, like, Girardi is a guy who I could see being comfortable here. I don't know. I don't know that he wants to manage the Mets. I don't know that the Mets want him to manage them. But, like, I think if anybody's going to come in, it might be a surprise. Like, kind of Callaway was kind of a surprise. Um, but... If it is going to be kind of one of the usual suspects, that's sort of where I would lean personally. I would too, but I feel like one, he's probably out of their price range. And two, um, he's not a yes man. He will absolutely tell Jeff where to go. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> why I, I worry about that. Yeah, and I don't see that flying. I, I just, I feel like Jeff Wilpon wants control and that would never fly with Girardi. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I'd be fine with Girardi in that I think that there are far worse choices the Mets could make, believe oh, me. Oh, yeah. Uh, but and yeah, will. I just, and they will. I just think, yeah, I think for that reason, it's unlikely. Um, less because of the money and more because of the, like, fact that he just won't, like, lay down and give the, like, and read Jeff Wilpon's texts al- aloud as <laughs> statements. <laughs> like, that's not... That's not what Jar Girardi is going to do. Um, I foresee that would be something that like someone like Clint Hurdle would do, which I could see them doing that. Although, I don't know. The Pirates are such a trash fire that I think the Mets <laughs> would probably avoid hiring their deposed manager. <laughs> I would probably. So, but I feel like I feel a little optimistic about that. Just a little. Just a little. 
So well, according to Martino, oh grain of salt, Girardi wants to manage again and would consider the Mets. Okay. Well, I can well, believe that. Cool. Yep. Like I said, yeah. like I would probably be happy with that just because I think that the like of the options, like the Mets could fuck it up so bad that it would oh, be unbelievable. God. I'm and just going through this list, sorry. Of, of all the managers. Oh no, it's real bad. It's bad. Oh, it is bad. Like David Cohn, what? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope. Uh 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 uh. Okay, Beltran, yes, but I don't know if Beltran would Beltran's ever come. Beltran's not going to manage the he Mets. He would not come to the Mets in a million no. years. Yeah, this is uh, this is quite a list from Martino. Oh, yeah, Joe Espada, the Astros bench coach. thought I saw something about Vance Wilson. Yes, and Vance Wilson. Which is, I mean. He, he's not on his list, but they said, yeah. That's Mike like, Matheny. I'd have to research mm. about Vance Wilson because Vance Wilson is kind of like an unknown factor here because he's never had a major league managing job. Like Mickey Cowell. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like the Mets could do well to avoid hiring someone with no major league managerial experience again. That would probably be a good thing if they I mean, if there's that. anything the Mets love, it's overcorrections. So I could definitely see it's them going hurdle. like a Dusty Baker route or something like that. Dusty wouldn't be awful, actually. Dusty yeah. wouldn't be awful, but that that's where the money factor comes in because Dusty has basically said out and out, like, I am not managing unless you pay me enough. <laughs> Fair. Right. Well, he's earned and it. He's earned it. Hashtag mood. So, yeah. <laughs> like... So I think that they could be priced out of Dusty Baker because like he's not he's not the same as Girardi where it's like clear he like really wants to manage again. So he doesn't seem desperate. He's kind of like, I mean, I'm retired. You can pay me tons of money to come manage your team and oh yeah, pull my leg, I'll do it. But pfft. so I don't know. I just I feel like it's Girardi or some terrible option. <laughs> Please God, not David. Cole. And and oh, the problem God, is no. Like I mentioned at the top of the segment, there are like a record number of teams looking for managers. So the problem is, is also that the Mets are competing with all these other teams for the same, like basically the same pool of candidates. Because like constantly when managers get fired, it's like a musical chairs situation and they just like move around teams. And then like there are there are destinations more attractive than the New York Mets, knowing what the whole baseball world knows about the Wilpons and their level of micromanaging. Like you could go to a franchise that won't do that. <laughs> okay. It was Mark fine. Fine sand. Oh, yeah. yeah. One name to keep an eye on once teams begin interviewing for vacant managerial jobs, Vance Wilson, the Royals bullpen coach is highly regarded by many. And some executives believe he absolutely has a future as a manager, but they said the same thing about Mickey Callaway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And he he blew everyone away in that interview room. Yeah, he had a binder that he bought to the interview. <laughs> yeah, boy. And and he's a former Met, too, so I just feel like there's uh-huh. something there. I don't know. Um, but, but yeah. Brody had a had a relationship with the Astros, so that's why they were thinking Espada. Right, right, because they wanted to It'll hire their former Astros guy. It'll be yeah. interesting to see, because, of course, this was... <laughs> That, uh, Mickey Calloway was Sandy Alderson's parting gift to us. And while I, I seriously doubt that I think that the relationship had already broken down so much with Alderson by that point that I seriously doubt he had as much sway in that as he ought to have, given that he was the general manager. Um, 
this will be Brody's first crack, assuming that they do move on from Callaway. This would be Brody's first crack at hiring a big, filling a big coaching spot. So it'd be interesting to see which way he goes. We know how he goes with his players, which is any former client he can get his hands on, he will. But I don't know how that's going to translate in coaching. Yeah. Interesting stuff. We shall see. Um, so before we wrap up this segment with a um, dollars for dingers pledge drive update, um, let's just really quick go through. So since we we kind of ostensibly have to talk about the playoffs because it is October, there is playoff baseball happening, even if the Mets aren't a part of it. Um what like where are you guys on like what teams do you what team or teams would you like to see win what teams would you like really not like to see win I think that we're kind of all on a consensus there but what what do you guys think who are you rooting for is none of them a correct answer (laughs) yeah (laughs) because that's kind of where I'm at (laughs) like it's like I know I've talked about hockey before, but for me, it's for nothing beats the hockey playoffs for me. And I hate less teams in hockey, so it's easier for me to watch that even without a rooting interest. But with baseball, I just hate with a fiery passion, the, like the fiery wrath of a thousand suns, like so many teams that it just it like I just it sickens me to watch the games. <laughs> so so I'd rather not put myself through that mental stress and just like watch Chopped and This Is Us and just ignore the baseball is still happening without my meds. Okay, so Linda is rooting for, um, I'm going to go with a cup of hot cocoa and a good book. Yes, yes. That okay. is so right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> also, and I just needed to get cool now to do that, not 90 degrees. Soft Linda. No thanks. <laughs> That's okay. Like Shane Victorino still like gets my blood boiling. Oh my god. Oh no, fuck that guy. Um so I have an easy answer because I have some members of my extended family who are huge, huge Dodgers fans. And I went to a game with them at Dodger Stadium a couple years ago, and it was wonderful. So I just root for the Dodgers. It's an easy choice because I have the family connection. I can be happy that they're happy. And it's an easy choice because they tend to win a lot of games. So I don't mind it so much. Um, I would love to see them win the World Series. Um, I also... I do like the twins a lot. I am twins raise. There's a, a handful of teams on the, uh, on the AL side that I wouldn't mind seeing, but um, Dodgers is my pick. So there yeah. we go. I don't, I'm terrible. That makes sense. Um, I'm probably rooting AL unless it's the Yankees, obviously um, in the world series. Uh, Cause it'll probably like, if it's the, I, I wouldn't mind seeing, I wouldn't mind seeing the Astros again, honestly, even though, obviously, I hate Osuna. That's, like, the one thing. Like, other than that, I actually really like the Astros because, um, like Maggie, I have extended family. My uncle moved to Houston um, a while ago, and he has really, really taken up the Astros as his second team. And even when they were, like, dreadful, dreadful bad, he still rooted for them. And so I'd like to see him happy. And I'm actually going to be in Houston during – 
the ALCS. So if they Ooh, advance that far, that'll be fun. It'll be fun. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to be able to go to games because, like, a, I'm not going to have time because I'm going to be at a conference, and b, like, who has that kind of money um, to drop on a playoff game with teams that you don't root for? Um, so, but it'll be fun because I'm staying with my uncle while I'm in Houston and he's going to be like really invested in the game. So getting to watch them with him will be fun. So I'll probably, if the Astros are still in it at that point, I'll probably be rooting pretty hard for them because I'll be rooting alongside him. Um, so that's probably my top pick and I wouldn't mind either the A's or the Rays winning, even though I do have a small problem with the fact that it justifies the current trend in baseball of like not spending money for them to win things, which we will get back to later. Um, But it's still far less onerous to me than like these dynasty teams winning things. (laughs) The Dodgers haven't won in a long time, but they're good every year and they have the highest payroll and I don't know. Yeah, I don't we think want you them can... to spend, Allison. We want them to spend. I know, I know. Yeah, they're doing it right. Damn but it! The, the A's are like the most inoffensive. I think like yes. they just have like a fun bunch of fun dudes. That so I don't know. If I had to pick, it would probably be Oakland. Yeah, that's the fair. They're team... like a non. They're 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 like the beige of baseball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you can't get offended by beige. You just can't. <laughs> no, it's true. It's, it's true. fine. <laughs> the only National League team, like, like the National League team that is the least, like, offensive to me is probably the Brewers, honestly. Um, I like the Brewers. No, I'm holding a grudge because they never lost in September, so I, know, I can't. it's annoying, but. That's fair. And Hater and Braun can't do it. They have individual players I dislike. That's the big problem. Like, as a team, as a franchise, I have nothing against them. But they have Hater and they have Braun and they have Moustakis, and I don't like no, any of those This players. is the second time they've screwed us out of a playoff spot. 2008 was them, too. So, mm. so uh-uh. I'm holding a grudge for that. If, <laughs> See, but I also have a bias for them because... I also went to Miller Park and had a lovely time there. So I feel like this is this is what ultimately seems to affect my my rooting more than anything outside of like the obvious is whether or not I had fun at your baseball stadium. So I mean, that's fair. Totally fair metric. And like the Brewers, like it'll be it would be a lot easier to root for them if Christian Yelich came back because I would love him as a player. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty great. It's kind of sad that they're without him, but you know, I do, I do definitely want them to continue to just like curb stomp the Nationals. Although the Nationals do have a run now, um, you have so freaking it's, Trey Turner. Thanks, Padres, for trading him for no reason. God damn it! Um, so it's yes, yeah, so and that's three to one Brewers in the top of the fourth. Anywho, um, so before we move on to our baseball segment for the week, we just wanted to give a quick. Dollars for Dingers update and shout out. Um, Maggie updated our spreadsheet that because obviously our spreadsheet calculated all the donations automatically just multiplied by the dollar amount that you 
you pledged per home run, but people, a bunch of people did custom ones, which is really fun. I did. I did extra money for like grand slams. Some people did extra money for like Pete breaking the record or like particular players hitting home runs. So we had to, you know, go through by hand and Maggie was a star and did all of that and got, I had a lot of work that I did not want to do. (laughs) (laughs) Don't thank me. Thank Columbia university. Thank you. Columbia university. Thank you. um, For giving Maggie things that she wants to procrastinate so that she could instead go through and manually calculate all of our pledges on our spreadsheet. So Maggie, do you want to give a quick update to all of our listeners? So I do want to give a quick update for starters. Um, our, we already announced that the raffle brought in a thousand dollars on tickets, but the pledge drive took in way more than that. We made for the National Domestic Violence Hotline this month. Um, You guys made $5,582. You are amazing. Don't forget to donate if you have not already. Um, And so I just actually, I could not imagine doing this in any way without thanking each of you by name. So thank you so much to Kellyanne, Dave, John, Josh, Alice, Darren, Matt, Michael, Ellen, Brian, Alex, Peter, Jeremy, Chris, Roger, Kevin, Sharon, Laura, Brian, Celia, Jaiwoo, Laura, Peter, Corey, Jack, Pat, Kenneth, Victoria, Shake Shack Line, Russ Seller, Paul, Rob, Donna, Marilyn Monk, Eric, Vass, and Tom. Thank you guys, all of you. We did something amazing this month. We love you. That's that's it. It was amazing. Thank you. I, I... this was like a random idea I had when I had insomnia in early August. And, and I was like, guys, what if we did this fundraiser? And I, I never in a million years thought it would turn into this. And we have all of you to thank for it. Everyone who um, came to the fundraiser, everyone who retweeted us, everyone who pledged. Um, an extra special thank you to Brian, our producer with Amazing Avenue, who did so much to get all of this together and to keep us going. Um, yeah, that's just thank you. Thanks, this is podcast great. dad. I, yeah, ten <laughs> out of ten would do again. Yeah, would do again. Will likely do again. This was thank you guys so much. We are so overwhelmed. That amazing, amazing. You guys rock. We have the best listeners in the entire world. Don't and also the uh, thank you to Cup of Cubby Blue too for partnering. Yes, with us. yes. We love you, ladies. You guys rock. Thank you so much for helping to raise raise money on your end amplify the fundraiser you guys are the best um and we can we can bond over mutually missing just missing the playoffs (laughs) um but it's a reason to keep us invested like we've been saying in the month of september when things like this happen so you know um so when we are going to now take a break when we get back We are going to talk about the state of baseball today and tanking teams. So stay tuned for that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. 
Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And we are back. Um, before we get into our like meat of our baseball discussion this week, um, in keeping with you know the mission of this podcast, um, we do need to make a quick mention of something that happened this week that Major League Baseball is trying to you know as usual like kind of sneak under the headlines and make rely on people not paying attention. So we're going to make sure that people are paying attention. Um, Luke Heimlich pitched in a Major League Baseball sanctioned game. So we should probably pay attention to that garbage. Um, he he pitched in, a, I think it was like the Arizona Fall League um, inter-winter league series between um, the Scottsdale Scorpios and the Caneros de los Mochis. So, yep, he pitched in that game, and it's a Major League Baseball sanctioned game. So this is like another kind of stepping stone to try to sneak him in the back door of Major League Baseball. And we, as you know, conscious consumers of the game as ethical consumers of the game cannot allow this shit to occur yeah it just seems like he's trying to find a back door in because the front door thankfully slammed in his face but it's he's not giving up and there's money in it yeah he can make money and they can make money off of him especially because he will be cheaper because he's a child molester yeah. Yep. And as we've seen, baseball has no scruples when it comes to that. When it as long as you're talented, they don't care. Yep. yep. So keep an eye on it. Yep. Let's let, not, let them know you're watching. Let's not allow this to happen. Um, to keep escalating. Um, so the topic that we wanted to cover this week is something that's been on the forefront of people's minds kind of this entire season, kind of really the past two years. I feel like especially. Um, it's a trend that's been continuing for a long time and I feel like it's kind of reached its boiling point. Um, we recently found out this week and these things are connected that baseball had its lowest overall attendance in 16 years. Um, and people like to talk about the death of baseball all the time, like every year for whatever reason. And it's almost always overstated um, because baseball isn't going anywhere. I don't think the sport is dying. However, this drain on attendance is alarming. And Rob Manfred can talk all he wants about pace of play. He can talk all he wants about the intentional walk, the pitch clock, whatever else. But it's because teams are tanking. That is the reason why people are not going to games. The correlation is so clear. It's, mm-hmm. it's you know, and, and there's always going to be the, the the exception of like, oh, well, this team wasn't tanking and they had a down year. And, and, but the trend is so strong. It's undeniable. And it's, you know, it, MLB has to think about how they can restructure the incentives so that it is financially beneficial to win baseball games. Because that's just it. Like most of their money now is coming in through these media deals that will go through really regardless of how the team is doing. And so you could just kind of spend, you know, 80 mil a year on a 70 win team and 
have a franchise worth, you know, a billion plus dollars. And that's part of what they need to do as a business, as a, you know, as a government sanctioned monopoly, they need to figure out how to change their own incentives so that the game is, is worth winning. And there is no better example of that point that Maggie just made about doing just enough to have profitable franchise without actually trying to win than the Boston Red Sox. They are the best example of that this year because they openly, and they said the quiet parts out loud. Like they didn't, they're not even trying to hide it from you. They openly fired their GM because he had the audacity to want to try to spend money to win. They won the World Series last year. This year, they missed the playoffs by quite a significant margin. Like, they weren't even... I mean, they had a good record, but they weren't even close to a playoff contending team in the final month of the season. They weren't even close. And they they basically were like, yeah, we fired our GM because we didn't have the same vision about, like, trying to win. Well, I was just going to say that um, that that's the scary part, that even winning the World Series isn't worth it to these owners. They said it was the Sunday after they won the World Series that the owner called Dombrowski angry. Like, you can't even enjoy winning the ultimate what everybody wants. Like, why are you even in this game if you can't even reach your goal? Like, isn't that the goal? I would like I to guess think the so. fact is that the goal is another, you know, another yacht for the Ricketts family. Like, it's... Yeah. It's, that's just it. It's it's a money... It's a money driver, which is, you know, I mean, okay. So, sure, that's how you run a business is to make money. But, but that's why they need to think about how their own rules are enabling this, this culture. And so part of that, I mean, I think a salary floor can be combined with a salary cap. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Based on a percentage of league revenues um, to to try to just, again, incentivize owners to invest in their team. Because right now the incentives are really skewed and it's showing in the on-field product. Yeah. And people talk a lot about changing the way the draft works. Um, and I think that we can investigate that um, regarding the way that drives tanking. There were four, four 100 lost teams this year. That's incredible. Three of them Oof. were in the American League. Um, and one of them was in the National League. Imagine you lose 100 games and you get the fourth draft pick. The fourth draft picked. So, like, it's gotten to the point where, and I do think to a certain extent, the, the way that the draft works does incentivize taking a little bit. However, a little. And I, I think it's, it's going to be it, teams. I hope are learning that it actually is like not a statistical benefit. Right. And we've gotten to the point where we've reached saturation now with tanking teams, right? Yeah. For 100 lost teams and even more 90 plus lost teams. So you could, I think that uh, someone in the Slack said that there is a team that, was 69 and 90 whatever many losses that is to add up to 162. I'm not doing the math right now. And they have like the seventh pick or something. Like what? What? They need to win 70 games and they have the seventh pick. Like you're, you're at saturation now. So whatever like teensy tiny benefit you're getting from tanking via the draft is like barely even there anymore because there's so many other teams doing the exact same thing. So 
I think that fixing the draft or like doing some sort of lottery or whatever, like I don't think that should be the priority necessarily. It should be something that can be considered in the laundry list of things they should do. What I think is driving this is the immense amount of control that teams have over players early in their careers. That needs to stop. They need to fix it. Players need to reach free agency during their primes, which will drive spending on free agents rather than prospect hoarding. That is what's driving the tanking to me. Yeah, it, it's definitely uh, a big part of it. Like, and it, it, it just feels like how many times on Twitter do you see, like, I know hindsight is twenty twenty, but let's go back before the twenty. 2019 season when we traded for Cano and Diaz everybody flipped their shit Justin Dunn had never pitched in a in a game Kalanick has never pitched in a game it's like you're you're trained now to just believe in always believe in the future and like shun any team that had the audacity to try and improve their team like well like and I mean look at the Stroman trade yeah that was a trade that like that was for a good player with another year of control after this one. A good you know, move. Well established, not you know, not much of a salary cost, and it was, and it cost them as like what two mediocre pitching prospects, and everyone just lost it. Yeah, everybody thinks like Anthony Kay is going to be the next like Clayton Kershaw. Like no, except that anybody, except anyone who has ever watched him pitch, like the people who actually watch him day in and day out, are like. Yeah, maybe a third starter. Like maybe. people were saying the Blue Jays were like, like the other side, like that's all the Blue Jays got. Like they kind of got yeah. a better deal. Like everybody was kind of like raising their eyebrows at the Blue Jays, which made me feel better. Like, oh hey, we got this great pitcher for his deal. But everybody else was like, ah, how could you get the farm system for Marcus Stroman? Blah, blah, blah. Like I was happy. I was yeah. excited. Everyone should be happy by that move. That yeah, should be, but. Like why is but the, the incentives aren't there? Yeah, like why is the the reaction immediately? This was bad. We got rid of our prospects. That's awful. Like because they're cheap. That's what the owners want you to believe. Like that's <laughs> they want you to root for cheap players. No, I mean even hurt. now people are still saying like, oh well, you know, wouldn't it be nice to have that year of Pete Alonso back? And it's like you know what's standing between the Mets and that year of Pete Alonso? Money. It's- fair market salary like that's it that's and you would trade literally all they have to do you would trade him breaking the rookie home run record for Mm -hmm. an extra year of control what is wrong with you what is wrong with you like it's not like oh he's gonna be a free agent there's nothing we can do that kind of sucks like there's ways around this (laughs) it's very easy and then you don't have to talk about it ever again like and just and the the to go back to the Stroman trade for a minute, like I think that people just get so like caught in their internet silos, their team specific internet silos, where all the only people they talk to are like other prospect nerds and like other wannabe GMs, and they don't like step out of themselves and realize that these are two prospects that no one outside of Mets world has ever heard of. Like, come on, yeah. It's like, also to remember that like, the, the, the Mets' best prospects are are not, not great. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> that's the problem. 
Yeah. And also, would they develop the prospects? Like, well, that, the jury's out on that, too. And this is all not to, like, prospects are great to have. There's certainly lots of scenarios where teams can and should trade older players and, you know, more success established players for prospects. The Carlos it has Beltran a time trade. and a place. Right. Yes. Absolutely. That was, a, that was a great trade for everybody. Um, but, like, what's happening now is that players are getting moved from team to team to minimize the salary that everyone involved is getting. Like that's, it's, it's not about, you know, distributing resources usefully. Like, you know, Carlos Beltran was not useful to the 2011 Mets, but he was really useful to the 2011 Giants, or maybe he wasn't. I don't think they did that well that year, but in any case, (laughs) um, as opposed to, you know, the Mets have another two years of Beltron and they could really develop, you know, develop a winning team before then. But let's dump them for prospects anyway and see what happens. Well, and also part of the reason why you have prospects is sometimes you got to cash in your trade chips. Like yep. when you are like yeah. 2015, when you're on the cusp and you're missing that one last piece. You and you go out and you get that one last piece, it makes a big difference. And if you're going to say, no, we never want to go for it because these prospects may eventually turn into something, but it's just, it just defeats the point of sport, I would right. think. Right. And like when you're out here on twitter.com, while the Mets are like out here in, july and august like walking off games and having like one of the most exciting like little runs that they've had in quite some time and you're out here on twitter.com counting the years of control they gave up for marcus stroman i think you need to reevaluate your priorities as a fan Mm -hmm. like i just i will never understand like that has like that attitude robs you of so much joy in yeah and not being able to enjoy marcus stroman who is great he's a character he loved being on the team he was always one of the first running out of the dugout and like they just want to be right like oh see he's pitching bad again he did the Mets were eight and three in his starts like the trade worked the reason why they missed the playoffs was not because they traded two prospects for Marcus Stroman right and it's just like like trying is good more teams should try like we've said this on the podcast before like and we, we even saw that we saw City Field. We saw the life come back just because they won a week's worth of games all of a sudden. And then it snowballed from there. Like, fans want to go to games. They want to have fun. They want to root for their team. They want to cheer. They want to buy their merchandise. They want to support their team. And if you have nothing to cheer for, are you going to be motivated to buy a Mike Trout jersey? Maybe. I don't know. And, like, not... And I think that just like I think that people who are in favor of like doing full teardowns and things like that, like not every team can be the Astros. It's just not going to happen for everyone. Especially team. when every team is trying to be the Astros. Mm-hmm. And again, like I feel like the Marlins should be every every like every team's worst case scenario. I mean, they were well, and the Reds they were too. a really strong offensive team. They and they three star had no, outfielders. They traded all Yeah, of them. they had like three all-star outfielders and they just didn't have any pitching. And 
in the middle of an offseason in which there was quite a lot of available pitching, top shelf and in between, um, they traded everybody for peanuts and they have played atrociously bad, but still not bad enough to get high draft picks in part because now they have pitching. Now their young pitchers have developed, but they can't hit at all. And it's just, they tore apart that entire team. They tore apart an all-star outfield and they got nothing. Well, even I saw a tweet about the Reds where the Reds got, had Johnny Cueto, Todd Frazier, Jay Bruce, Brandon Phillips, and Roldis Chapman. And they're the only person on their current roster from trading all those trades is Jose Peraza. Yikes. So, and when was the last time the Reds had a winning season? I think Jay Bruce was involved, but I can't remember (laughs) what it was. Because I think he had a walk-off or something, but I can't remember what year that was. Was that the year that they were were no hit in the playoffs? Oh, by by Halliday. Yes. That's it. You're right. True. Well, that ended well. Oops. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. I I have a front row seat. Well, had a front row seat and may have again. I don't know. But, like, the Orioles are the team that I pay the most attention to besides the Mets. And they're doing it now. They're doing the full tank. Like, they're not even trying to hide it. They fired. And it's not just that they changed their GM. They changed their manager. They, you know, got rid of. They traded Manny Machado. They got rid of all their players. They, you know, they fired, like, a whole bunch of their scouts. Like, a whole bunch of them. Like, baseball lifers. Like, people that the city of Baltimore and, you know, the scouting community respected immensely. They fired everyone. And they just cleaned house. And they're just basically like, we're going to suck for six years now. And so this is year two of suck. And it's it's not going great. Like, they're not, like, I know But also, they didn't even get the top draft pick this year. No. They did not. All of that, they still didn't get it i told my dad before the season started i said to him i have never in my natural life seen a team worse than this orioles team i couldn't (laughs) fathom like on paper this was before the season started before i even watched any of the games like on paper i was like this is the worst baseball team in my lifetime i have never seen a worse baseball team and there was a worse baseball team this year (laughs) it blows my mind who'd they even get for machado Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> I, no, Jesus playing, Christ was not included in the trade. One of them is playing. <laughs> I don't think he wants anything now. to do with the Orioles. One of them is playing for them now, and the other two okay. are not. I mean, that in and of itself is a really bad sign, so. Yeah. I mean, dang it, like, it doesn't work on a... It, it it doesn't Yusnil work in a winning Right hander Dean Kremer, third baseman Rylan Bannon, righty Zach oh. Pop, and third baseman Bravik Valeria, Valera. So oh, Yusniel Diaz and I think Bravik Valera have play, have played in the major leagues. None of those other guys have. And I just like Yusniel Diaz might be good, but like he's not I've good heard yet. Of Bravik Valera, that's a start. but like it doesn't work from a wins and losses perspective at this point just because it's 
everyone's trying to do it. And it just don't like what's going to kill baseball is everybody trying not to win. That sucks. Nobody wants that. Fix it. Yeah. Like I think angry fans isn't what's going to kill baseball. It's apathetic fans. Yeah. Like, if it's just years and years of pine years of just losing, like, they're going to lose interest of people like, oh, well, I got better things to do with my time. Like, I'm not going to go to Camden Yards. Like, and then that just gets weeded out. Like, there's going to be no next generation of Orioles hands. And the Orioles have, like, let me just tell you, the Orioles have an extremely dedicated and forgiving fan base. Like, Way more like, like I'm used to Mets Twitter, which is extremely unforgiving at times. Like <laughs> in comparison, Orioles fans are so chill. They have way more chill than we can ever hope to have in our entire lives. And if you've pissed them off and made them not want to go to their gorgeous ballpark, like a top five ballpark in Major League Baseball, you've got a problem. You've got a huge problem because they're usually I mean, Baltimore is not a very big city, to be fair. So that's like kind of the counterbalance is like obviously the Mets have like a much larger market than the Orioles could ever hope to have of fans. But the the Orioles fans like show up for their team no matter what. Basically, they're they're very forgiving of like bullshit. They haven't like the Orioles like they had like single like thousands of people at those games like it was like four thousand people at those games it's like it's so sad it breaks Mm. my heart honestly it's not good for baseball it's very bad um if you guys want to read about like the if you you guys don't have to take our word for it that tanking is the biggest driver of the drop in attendance you can read about it online uh People much smarter than me have done analyses of this. Rob Arthur of Baseball Prospectus, amazing, amazing writer, did um, an entire analysis of, you know, how much is tanking responsible for baseball's drop in attendance. Hint, it's a big chunk of it. Um, He basically did like two components to his analysis. The first was showing that competitive games do drive attendance. So he said that the playoff odds were the most important predictor of attendance besides ballpark size. So he built a model where he tried to like basically predict teams attendance and then like tested that model against teams actual attendance. And he put in like a whole bunch of covariates like ballpark size, um, the team's playoff odds, the weather that day, so on and so forth, like a whole bunch of factors. And the, the model was like, R equals 0.95. So highly correlated between predicted attendance and actual attendance, this model. And the biggest factor besides ballpark size in that model was playoff odds. If the team's playoff odds was less than 5% at the time of that game, the attendance was likely to be extremely low. Um, So he showed that the playoff odds are the driver. The second thing he showed, which is the second very important component of this, is showing that the teams with with daily average playoff odds below 5% has increased steadily over the past few years. So not only have... Not only is the team's playoff odds a huge factor on whether people will go to the games, more and more teams have playoff odds less than 5%. So it's getting on, like, I think this year it was roughly 40% of teams on any given day had a playoff odds less than 5%. That's appalling. Oh, my God. That's appalling. At points in the season, that was the Mets. Um, Not not all of the season, but parts of it. Um, But the Mets are a good reminder that, like, 
if you stay in it, the fans will stay in it. You know, the Mets didn't go to the playoffs, but they had serviceable playoff odds for much of the year. And you could tell the difference in the stadiums that it was absolutely it was a much, much more filled out crowd. Yep. And, you know, going back to our earlier theme of praising you know, people praising baseball or praising ownership when they do things right, uh, the rare times they do things right, (laughs) to counterbalance all the times that we are willing to criticize them when they do things wrong, as much as I drag the Wilpons over the coals and will continue to do so until the day that I die, until the day they, or the day they sell the team, whichever freaking one comes first. Um, The one thing that is admirable about them, and Jarrett Seidler says this on For All You Kids Out There all the time, and he's absolutely right. The one admirable quality about the Wilpons is that they will never tank. I I feel fairly confident. They will they like build a sustained winner? Probably not. But I feel fairly confident that I think Fred and Jeff Wilpon actually do nominally care about winning. Yeah, they had they had every opportunity to tank um, after 2009 uh, and they, you know, and, and Elderson came in and over time, you know, thinned out a lot of what they, who they had on that team. You know, he traded Ari Dickey, uh, didn't resign Jose Reyes, all that jazz, but um, you know, they never traded David Wright. They had, and of course, am I remembering any of them now? No, because it was an incredibly unmemorable stretch of, teams there but they had other resources that they could have traded out and they didn't because they won't commit to a full rebuild and you know that may be maddening for a lot of people but also like let's be real would the Mets get a full rebuild right no absolutely not I mean their problem is they do go for it and they won't tank but they just aren't self-aware enough to back away and let the baseball people do the baseball things exactly yeah that's their biggest issue. The biggest issue with the Wolpons is that they micromanage. They, you know, they actually care so much that they, like, micromanage to the level of, like, I think Rajay Davis on a minor league deal might be a good... I'm exaggerating, but only a little bit. Like They really care about it. Bit. They're just always wrong. Exactly. <laughs> like, they, they don't let the baseball people make the decisions because they fancy themselves baseball men. They think that they're smart baseball men. Um, Which is unfortunate (laughs) because they're not. And like, you know, it'd be one thing if they were, but all their notions of like what is smart baseball moves are, you know, stuck in like the 1980s. That's being kind, honestly. Um, Well, I saw something the other day where it said Fred Wilpon had, like, ideas about the bullpen. I'm like, oh, I'm sure she does. Don't have ideas. That's (laughs) Have you heard about this newfangled idea called a closer? (laughs) It's where you save a really good reliever for the end of the game. Wow. Uh, Tony La Russa fellas really got it. I heard (laughs) that when you pitch a guy with the same side matchup, he does better better yeah he's okay so what you're saying is you should Mr. only Burns. ever only ever have completely left-handed or right-handed lineups Obvs. based on who's opposing yeah okay. check he's check totally mr burns it's called yep. playing the percentages <laughs> <laughs> yeah so 
our ownership sucks at making decisions. They're very bad at like doing baseball things. But <laughs> I think the fact, it, the sad part is the fact that they even try at all makes them better than like 50% of Major League Baseball owners. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. Exactly. Because it's not a high bar to clear. Let's be real. It's not. No. Nope. Unfortunately, that's where the bar is right now. Do better. <laughs> Do better, owners. Spend money. Spend money. You're freaking billionaires. If, like, I don't know. If you are really, like, if you're really, like, I'm a businessman and this is, like, my business, just go invest in a fucking hedge fund. Don't buy a baseball team. I'm just so sick to death of this shit. Yeah, like, what fun are they getting out of this, really? Like, just a bunch the- of other guys who look and talk just like them telling them how smart they are. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And like, I don't know, like sports is such like a like a, an like going back to the toxic masculinity thing. It's like an old timey man thing. Like I have a sports team. I'm such an important man. And like, it's my toy that I play with. Like it's, you know, if you like ideal sports owner just writes the checks and allows them to spend basically as much money as they want within, like, some level of reason. And That's hire it. smart baseball people to, to make the smart decisions. <laughs> and then they just put their name on the checks. Okay, I found the tweet. It's Tim Healy. Mickey Callaway said he met with the Mets CEO, Fred Wilpon, and the pitching coaches a few days ago for an hour to talk about plans for a couple of relievers this offseason. Woof, oh don't do it. Nope. <laughs> Don't have ideas. They've just been humoring Mickey. Yeah. Oh, boy. Mm. I don't want to know. It's going to be bad. Yeah, that's going nowhere good. Yeah, so stop tanking. It sucks. It's super lame. Don't do it anymore. (laughs) That's that's our spiel for this week. Um, So we're going to take one more break. um, And when we get back, we're going to finish the show like we always do with walk-off wins. So stay tuned for that. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we are back. Um, we are going to finish off the show this week with walk-off wins like we always do, where each of us talks about what is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Maggie, what is your walk-off win for this week? So I'm... I'm cheating a little bit because Sunday's game is definitely part of my walk-off win, but in general, just the whole weekend with my family because we went out to Coney Island on Saturday. It was the first time the kids had ever been to Coney Island. We went with my sister who we all adore her. Um, And the kids had a great time on the rides and eating hot dogs. And it was just a really lovely day. Um, And then we all, 
piled in the seven train on Sunday afternoon and went out to the baseball game also with my sister who is fantastic and the like rest of my entire family. And it was a wonderful game. We didn't stay for the whole the whole thing, but the kids were so so happy and everybody celebrated on the train when they actually did win the game. It was just it was a lovely weekend. Um my kids are awesome. Everybody should love my kids as much as I do. Um and I'm just really glad I had it. I'm really glad that the Mets capped it off with this fantastic game. So that's my walk-off win. Yay. Yay, Yay. baseball. I know. I'm like, seeing it. everybody's, I know, seeing everybody's, like, videos from the Pete home run, like, the from the crowd, I'm like, I'm not going to see any more games at City Field. <laughs> I know. Linda, what is your walk-off win for this week? My walk-off win is uh, Jacob DeGrom. Um, I feel like like he's been my boy ever since he stepped foot onto a baseball diamond because he just kind of got thrown into the game against the Yankees. Um, and then he just pitched his little heart out. And then I think the Mets were like, oh, for like their pitchers have been like, oh, for like 65 or something at the plate that year. And then he just comes, gets a hit. And it's like he was doing it all. So ever since then, like he, he had me at hello, basically. And then this year, like somehow, like it just seemed like he took a back seat. Like he was still so good, but you know, Pete was making headlines and um, you know, McNeil and the puppy and there was just so much going on that, you know, Jake's consistency I think kind of gets taken for granted. And then you look up at the end of the year and it's like, oh wait he's going to be the Cy Young or has a very good chance of being the Cy Young. And I, I mean, he's unquestionably the best pitcher of my lifetime. Like other people have had good seasons and, but nothing like his consistency that he's become known for. And I don't know if we appreciate him enough because he doesn't steal the spotlight. He doesn't, you know, seek the attention that others do, which is fine, but I think he should just be appreciated a little more because I adore him. <laughs> and um, and I think he did try um, to step into the role a little bit uh, that David Wright left behind. Like, again, Tim Healy pointed out, unprompted, after every start, Jake shouted out Wilson Ramos. So I feel like he was just trying to like smooth that over, smooth the drama over. Um, so I think he did try <laughs> to be a, a, the leader in the clubhouse and fill that role that, you know, David left behind. And it might take multiple people to fill that role that David left behind. Um, but, you know, signing the contract... Um, knowing that he's going to be here long term and knowing that, you know, after the three bad starts, he completely turned it around and knowing what he's capable of and that he's still Jake. He's still our Cy Young and we have him for another five years. So I appreciate Jake, even though I do adore Pete, and but I haven't forgotten about you. <laughs> I still love uh, I still love Jake, too. So. That's my walk-off win, and I hope his name gets called come November. Love Jake. Should be a lock. I mean, it, it's not as much of a lock as last year, but it should no. really be a lock. 
Um, yeah, I I agree with you, Linda. And I I've said this a lot when the when the like hate of like Matt Harvey or Noah Syndergaard like rears its ugly head on occasion when people talk about like how they dislike those players or like Cespedes, for example. I talk about how like having a mix of personalities in the clubhouse that are all leaders in their own ways is what makes a team great. Mm-hmm. And I think that the current um, version of the Mets has that kind of the way that the 2015 Mets had that. And I feel that Jake's role has always been the quiet lead by example leader. Yes. And you, I don't know if you saw it, but um, SNY tweeted um, after Pete was finished all his on-the-field interviews, after he broke the home run record, you know, the whole dugout was cleared, and then he went down the tunnel, and Paul Seawalt and Jake were still waiting for him to give him one last congratulations. I love so, that. So that was, like, you know, I thought that was, like, emblematic of who Jake was, like, off to the shadows, like, off to the side, but still there for his teammates when they need him. Yeah, just always quietly doing his job, never throwing his teammates under the bus, always being a team player, that's Jake. And, like, guys like Syndergaard and Cespedes, obviously Cespedes hasn't been much of a presence this year because he's been hurt, but Cespedes, when he's around, are the guys that bring the swag. And every and mm-hmm. every good team needs that. They need guys that bring the swag and guys that aren't afraid to speak their minds and, like, be funny on Twitter and, like, things like that. And that's what Syndergaard and Cespedes and, guy, and, and Harvey, when he was still on the Mets, were like. And then you've got guys like Pete and David Wright that are like the public and Curtis Granderson is another good example of that. They're like the public ambassadors of the team that like are the media presence, the guys that take the questions after the games. Cause like as great as Jake is, he clearly isn't super comfortable with the media. Like he's never mean about it, never refuses to answer questions, but he doesn't enjoy being in the spotlight. Um, There are guys like David Wright and Pete Alonzo and Curtis Granderson that are just naturals in front of the camera, in front of the media, and interacting with the media and the fans that have that leadership capability. So I feel like all those things working together in synergy is what makes a really good clubhouse environment. Yeah. So my walk-off win for this week is kind of similar to Maggie's in the sense that it encompasses, like, the entire weekend. I just had a really nice weekend. I went up to visit Michael at New Paltz, where he lives, and we went on a hike on Sunday. We hiked Mount Beacon. Um, Linda, I'm sure, is familiar since it's in her yes. general it's very pretty. Yes. neck of the woods. The Mid-Hudson is a gorgeous, like, area of the country. I just, every time I go up there, because, you know... Obviously, New Paltz is a little further north um, and Yorktown Heights, where my grandma uh, was from and where my dad grew up, um, is a little further south in that like mid Hudson swath. But like that whole area of the state of New York is just so beautiful. And there's like so many hikes you can do there that I've like haven't done enough of. I have hiked Mount Beacon once before, but, you know, I feel like I'm I'm excited to explore that area a little more now that I'm back in, you know, the tri-state area. So we, we got married in Beacon. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. It was, we did not hike. We just got married, but, um, but it was beautiful for that part, at least. Actually, my, one of my um, best friends from college, um, he's getting married next May. Um, I'm in the wedding and he's getting married in Beacon. So I wonder if it's the same like venue. We will know. check out afterwards. Yeah, we can. If so, then I, <laughs> enthusiastic th- thumbs up. Good. Hooray. Good um, for you. 
Yeah. So um, Michael and I hiked Mount Beacon and it was really, really nice. You know, beautiful views. It was like the perfect weather, like 68 degrees and sunny. It was just like perfect. Um, The weather could not have been better. Um, The views were gorgeous. Um, We got a little lost on the way down, but it was actually fine because we were just like, eh. And then we just like meandered back. We didn't have to be back at a certain time. So it was just like a little fun diversion. Um, And then we just the best. I know. Right. And then we just got back, like, just in time to watch the game um, afterwards because the game the games were all at the same time on Sunday, obviously. So they were all at, like, 3 p.m. So we, like, hiked in the morning, got back in the afternoon just in time to watch the game, enjoyed the game together, got to watch the awesome Dom Smith walk-off and just, like, be emotional about how awesome this season has been. It was just, like, a really good day. <laughs> it was a nice day. So that is Have my... you ever been to the Mohonk Preserve up there? No, I have not, but I know of it. Yes, you should do that, too. Yeah. We have plans to visit the Angry Orchard Brewery as well. Oh, yeah. Sometime in November. So very excited for that as well. So that is my walk-off whim. Just like a very pleasant Sunday. It was very nice. Um, So that does it for the show this week. Um, Kind of a quick uh, programming announcement. So like I mentioned at the top of the show, this is the last, quote, regular season episode of the podcast. However, we are not going away during the off season. We are not leaving your feeds. We promise. We're not abandoning you. We are having episodes slightly less often, but we're still having them. The idea is that we're going to start having them every other week or so. And Amazing Avenue Audio, the whole network, is going to sort of rotate our podcasts where we'll have two one week, two of the shows the next week, and then the shows will be on alternating weeks. So that's kind of our general off-season plan schedule. Um, For the off-season, we have lots of fun interviews planned for you guys. We're trying to get some really cool folks on the pod. So that's going to be our priority during the off-season is just to get a bunch of new voices on the pod that you guys haven't heard before. So we're really excited about that, trying to get that um, worked out. Um, you know, maybe a fun book club here and there, like we mentioned. Um, lots of fun things to talk about, and obviously, whatever um, moves the Mets make or do not make, as the case may be, we will be there to cover it during the offseason. So we will not be leaving you. Um, but in the meantime, you can go to amazingavenue.com, check out all of our Mets related content. The season may be over, but we are not done at Amazing Avenue. We never are. Um, we have our season review series has just started up. So pretty much every day for the next few weeks, we're going to be having a season review of a player. Um, so we have that going. We have Linda's article on a lot of what we talked about today. Just the fun moments from the 2019 season will be going up soon, um, along with all sorts of other content. So check that out. Go to AmazingAvenue.com. We read all of our fantastic content. You can follow Amazing Avenue on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Amazing Avenue. You can follow this show on Twitter at a pod of their own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servich. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. You can follow all of us on Twitter, all of our lovely co-hosts on Twitter. You can follow the show. You can email the show, own at gmail.com. I'm sure we'll be doing mailbag segments during the off-season, too. So if you have something you want us to talk about during one of our off-season, off-season shows, um, please shoot us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Um, please 
subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original music for this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcasts.